I heard you calling me. Big tech has advantages in budget and resource when it comes to building powerful infra, right? Well, with CockroachDB, you can now build on top of that. The founders come from Google and basically built Open Source Spanner, but with a serverless option you can use for free at cockroachlabs.com slash stackoverflow. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk about all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, the director of content here at Stack Overflow, and I am joined today by two of my wonderful cast of rotating co-hosts, Cassidy Williams and Paul Ford. Hello. Hello. So for folks who don't know Paul, tell them who you are. And, you know, for folks who have been listening over the last two years and went through some pretty zany times with us during the pandemic, tell them a little bit about, yeah, sort of what you're doing in terms of work and transition and plans coming up. Well, the time has come for me to shuffle off a little bit. Um, I am the co-founder of a software company called Postlight, client services, big client, check us out online, postlight.com. You've heard me say that. And about a month ago, after quite a bit of planning, I stepped down as CEO. I was CEO and the person who took over for me is Gina Trapani, well-known to many as the founder of Lifehacker, serial entrepreneur, and she's been with us for many years. And uh, my co-founder, Rich, also stepped down, and the new president is a head of product uh, at Postlight named Chris Lasacco, both managing partners at the firm. So as often happens when one is middle-aged and doing a career transition, to be frank, a big part of this is to help Rich with a new software project, but also for me, I've been getting more and more engaged with the science underneath and the technology connected to climate change. It's been a real focus of my brain. It's one of the things that has made me feel incredibly dumb in the last, actually, kind of two years I've been working towards this. But just really, I am in over my head, just like the rest of society. And I've been taking this subject seriously, frankly, for decades. But I, I just, for a lot of reasons, including that I started, uh, we started working at Postlight with a very interesting not-for-profit, I got very into what's coming and how to understand it, and also what our industry can do to respond. And so, long story short, I'm cleaning up my life a little bit, riding my bicycle more, and stepping back from some of my obligations. And one of those obligations that I'm very regretfully stepping back from is, you know, it hasn't been an obligation, it's been a real pleasure, is doing this podcast. I'm going to do, I'm still going to show up. I still love technology very, very much. And I do love that people get in touch and ask for mentoring and so forth. But I think once every month, once every six weeks, I think that's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yes. When there's a chance to nerd out about Python or some old user Listen, manuals, we know what I am. We will call yeah, on Paul. We will throw <laughs> the trust me. That hasn't changed. Hey, I found some scraps of old mainframe something. Oh well. Hey, wait. Hey, yeah. hold on a minute <laughs> yeah. there, fella. Uh, it just exactly. appears. Hey, kiddo. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it sounds like you have some new and exciting talent. Yes. Well. The good news is Cassidy Williams of Netlify fame has been joining us more frequently and has agreed to come on, yeah, you know, two, three times a month to join us. So yeah, I'm, I'm welcoming Cassidy as a co-host. She was recently promoted from doing, you know, I guess more independent stuff to helping to manage and working on developer experience. So a great perch from which to evaluate a lot of what's going on in the world of software. But yeah, maybe Cassidy, I'll let you explain sort of like where you are right now and um, what you hope to do on the show. Yeah, so hello everybody. You probably have heard my voice at some point or another, but if you haven't, I'm Cassidy. Hello. 
I am currently at Netlify, Director of Developer Experience there, and I'm mostly focusing on making development better for uh, React developers and Next.js developers and, and people in the web dev ecosystem. And a fun gig, and I also just like coding and helping people in general, and this podcast is a great way to do that. Yay. Well, that gives me a good transition. We published our annual developer survey. We got 80,000 respondents. And then in the blog post announcing it, not because I suggested it, they threw in a code pen. And before we went live with this cast, we were working on Netlify as like our little team deploy so that we could all check things out. We could change the copy. So I have been playing recently with some tools that I know are, are near and dear to your heart. But I wanted to ask a few questions, I guess, to both of you, see if some of the insights that we gleaned strike you as interesting or maybe not. The first one, which I thought was kind of cool, is that we asked people, like, how do you how do you learn how to code? And then we broke it down by these sort of age cohorts. And so for the rising you know, generation for folks who are 18 and under, online resources like videos and blogs were more popular than books and school combined. And that didn't hold true for any other of the like sort of four or five like, you know, age groups that we had. So I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Maybe that's, you know, like sort of the evolution of things over time. But then somebody else was like, no, come on, that's obvious. They're not, there's no like classes available to them. So I guess, does that strike you as no, interesting? No, that's or, not oh, true. There's all sorts of high school classes. I think you're looking at a pandemic generation that has that's like true. gone and poked around and said, oh, I can, I can just take this online class. You know, it's like, and the resources aren't expensive. They're either free or they're like, you know, a hundred bucks. And your mom or dad are going to pony up and get you that that HTML skills <laughs> class if that's what you want. I mean, pretty soon AWS is probably going to pay you to learn. It's not what language <laughs> yeah. do you know, but it's also, it's kind of like what ecosystem are you connected to? And I mean, right, right. You know, Cassidy's world has a lot of that going on. Like, I, I, people are very aligned with what what Netlify has them do, lets them do, the tools it gives them, really represents how they code. That plus GitHub, right? So I think the pandemic generation thing is so true, because if I wanted to take some kind of coding class in person right now, I just couldn't. It's all online. When I was in high school, I was able to take AP computer science and stuff. And so I was able to get some of that when I was younger, but not nearly to the extent of what is available today. Today, there's just so many online resources, free and paid for any language you can think of, any platform you can think of. There's someone teaching it. And so it doesn't surprise yeah. me that that's, that's what people are going towards. The other thing, too, is the tools mm-hmm. are great now, right? So you can go get VS Code, and it has IntelliSense and LSP built in, and or I don't know if it's still called IntelliSense, but that's what it used to be called. And it will kind of guide you along. Like, you can get your Python going or your JavaScript building and follow a few tutorials. and get You can get a lot of effect out of, like, five or six three-hour sessions. You can learn a hell of mm-hmm. a lot where... In the olden times, you just can you spend all your time configuring and downloading like a text editor, right? Like it was just yeah. So yeah. it's it's not just that the resources are better, but the tools are so much better than they used to be. Yeah, the time to get up and running and building something fun or even useful is is a lot shorter. So that's that's certainly yeah. Encouraging. Yeah, you can you can do a hackathon project in five minutes now. But my first few hackathons <laughs> I did back in the day, it took the entire hackathon to just make sure like C sharp was installed properly. Oh, that is the thing. Right, like right. installing Mono now and like that whole world, or or just any of it, like any of the the you know that .NET framework. It's just like you hit the two buttons and it's like works all good. It's just done. Yeah, yeah. Right, that right. used to be. It's these days are spoiled. But you know what? That used to feel impossible. <laughs> That used to feel package management, even though mm-hmm. it's still very, very, very bad, is so good 
I just switched over to the poetry package manager in, in um, Python. And oh my God, it's doing it. It's managing my environment. It's working just fine. I'm doing much less than I used to do. And I'm like, God, this, this stuff used to be hours and hours. So I think like that combo, it's going to, you'll have to make a case for why you should go to school to an 18 year old. I like the sound of that because I haven't started saving for my kids' college. <laughs> <laughs> so following up on sort of this idea of the pandemic, you know, the pandemic moment and how it may have shifted things. Another thing we saw and curious to see if this is reflected in your experience with the folks you know was that a much higher percentage of respondents uh, said they were working part-time or in school. And those who indicated they were working full-time had sort of decreased. So overall, you know, roughly the same amount were sort of still professional developers, um, but sort of the breakdown of what they were doing seemed to have changed pretty significantly. Among the people you know, have a lot of people, yeah, sort of s- taking a moment to step back or doing part-time work. You know, the hiring environment from my point of view at Stack Overflow is super intense, but just curious to hear, hear what you're seeing. Yeah, I'm seeing that everywhere. I think mm. a lot of people I know in in the pandemic took this as, as an opportunity where they're just like, well, the world's changing, I might as well change too. And so they are either mm. working part-time or starting their own thing or, or taking classes and stuff. And I don't know if it's just the people I know, but I mean, hey, it's in the survey. It's, it must right. be significant. No, I think everybody, you know, yeah. you did the same thing every single day for 16 months. Like it, there wasn't a lot... And so it wasn't like there was this, it wasn't like, oh, hey, I guess I'll go to sleep no more, right? It was just like, I am going to be doing the thing I did today, tomorrow, but I'll be doing it at home and then I'll walk my dog. And so, and I think at a certain point, your brain goes in that circle and then you go, what else is there? Who am I? And then you're going to go, I I guess I do have career flexibility. Like all of a sudden, all the little internal (laughs) stories I think that developers tell themselves, they're like, well, wait a minute, what does this really mean? And then they have options. You have people who are at home with options. You know, if anything (laughs) defines remote work for developers, it's that. And so, so off they go. All right. I wanted to ask a quick question. This is, you know, part of the horse race we watch every year. Newcomer, Svelte, takes the top spot as the most loved framework. Whoa. Uh, with React, mm. React is the most wanted. Any thoughts on Svelte you want to share? Mm? You know, I, it's one of those frameworks that I know I should try to learn, but I just haven't taken mm-hmm. time to do it yet. But they've been making tons of resources and their community is definitely growing a lot. I mean, you know, we, we've used it for some stuff, mostly internal stuff. I, I will say there isn't huge client demand for Svelte. I think what you'll see is like, startups locking into Svelte and small projects locking in. It doesn't seem to have quite the same large teams of developers love this vibe as, say, TypeScript plus React for big web Mm. app. app. But Mm. it's young comparatively. I mean, React is actually kind of a very mature, almost, you know, not not quite to legacy, but but an older technology at this point. But no, I mean, the, the things we've seen, Svelte, I don't have a strong read on it, except that it kind of, in some ways, it like brings the web back to the web. Like it's very big on kind of like, yeah, just put it in there, get it, let's get it done. CSS, HTML. Yeah. And uh, look, that is attractive after a whole lot of virtual DOM and, and, and really high abstraction stuff. I mean, where I see it is small, interesting, exciting, very interactive, like canvas driven kind of projects. It seems to, to really line up well. What's interesting is that it's tied with ASP.NET. Is it really? Yeah, it is. Yeah, those ones are tied <laughs> for, for loved in the, in the survey. Yeah, and so then in addition to our most, uh, we, we always do most loved, dreaded, and wanted, we had uh, a new one, which is kind of like 
this is what you're working with now. Where would you, what would you like to be working with in six months? And we had these, this new thing called like a chord chart. It kind of shows like the flow of where people would like to go. So for example, there's tons and tons of folks working in JavaScript. I think, you know, over 10,000 of the people who responded and they would like to go, actually, they would like Mm -hmm. to kind of make a lot of them. Mm -hmm. They want to go work in Go or Rust if they don't want to work in TypeScript, which a lot of them do. Mm. Um, so these are kind of neat. I thought people, yeah, might want to check these out. It's something new we did this this year for the first time. And it gives you a sense of kind of like where people are in their journey, like what's the most dominant, but also kind of like where they would hope to head in the, in the near future. That's a very interesting visualization. I'm just kind of rolling my mouse over it now. Yeah. It's a really nice visualization. Yeah. It, it's a little bit sort of like it's soothing and, and interesting to the brain. It's a little bit harder to say like, Oh yeah, sure. Right. This will it's, now we know how things are going to play out. It's definitely not something you can look at at a glance, but it's it's cool to yeah note. I'm not surprised with those two in particular because I mean JavaScript means you're maybe doing some kind of classic backend web programming if you're doing if you're doing Node or you're doing front end right, and then Rust is deeper into the systems world and and faster and more type safe, and so like if you're headed towards TypeScript, but you want to kind of have that, but actually talk to the processor, you've got Rust. And on the other side, it's like, I want to make really big servers that have lots and lots of open channels, then Go is incredibly attractive. So now I I think those are like, those are very natural progressions for JavaScript folks. Like the one that would throw me is if they were suddenly all like, I want to learn R because data science, like it's not, it's still very much (laughs) in their discipline, those two languages. Yeah. And Paul, sad to say, Perl, which was the highest paid language last year, has dropped all the way down to fifth. Um, <gasps> not to say that Perl developers aren't doing well, but it's well, been no, a tough th- year. It's been a tough year for that Perl. That code base is now legacy and now being retired. Like they're just, it never, Perl 6, which then became and got another name, didn't quite catch. And ah, good old Perl. And then when it comes to web frameworks, man, Ruby on Rails is in a, in a class of its own. Wow. If you're a, a highly qualified Ruby developer, you're getting a significantly higher salary. You can command than than everybody else. Even Svelte. There you Interesting. Go. No, no. I'm just wondering if if like that's because Express has taken over and there's just kind of more Ruby sitting around. But there's still lots of people writing Ruby code. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the survey would tell me more. We had a couple of the survey. I don't know. We, we've actually had a couple of conversations, one with like a insurance company and another one with uh, like a text-to-speech company. And both of them just talked about, you know, if you were a startup that, you know, started in a certain epoch a certain number of years ago and bet big on Ruby, now you're hitting a point where you really want to scale, but there's not like a rising cohort of young Ruby developers. So like there's not enough demand to meet the supply. So yeah. pay top dollar awesome. for Ruby This happened with Perl too. I mean, this is just, but it didn't happen with Python in the same way because Python just kind of found its niche and so there's always been a good yeah. like a good baseline but yeah no it's or python found like five niches i think that's the key thing it like, no, it's like <laughs> yeah it became loved as a, a learning learning language, language yeah, data science um geosciences machine learning. machine learning right so yeah that actually i think that's critical and the same same is true of javascript like if they have one true niche, sometimes it's like R where it's like, okay, but it's really for that niche. Or mm-hmm. sometimes they're really distributed and can be used for anything. It seems like that middle zone where it's like, yeah, it's really good for, like Elixir would be at risk under this hypothesis, right? Right, yeah. Like, Currently one of the more high paid. So yeah, I think that there's a correlation that's right. there Aren't between at risk and high developers paid. love Elixir, so. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, the people who hmm. write Elixir, they are passionate about Oh my about God, it. oh my God. It's, <laughs> Rust was that way but it seems to have faded a little bit but elixir they're just yeah. like I, yeah. yeah i mean this is an elixir this is you can solve it in five minutes yeah <laughs> it's perfect yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that wraps it up. We can uh, dive into some more details in the show notes. I'll share the link to the whole dev survey. Definitely check it out um, and share with everybody. I will pass the hat around in a minute. Uh, first, I will do uh, a lifeboat. So every week I shout out the winner of a lifeboat badge. Somebody who came on Stack Overflow and found a question uh, with a score of negative three or less, gave it an answer, got up to a score of three or more. Suren Raju, Java Convert Bytes to File. Thanks, Suren. Awarded two days ago. I will include that in the show notes. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can always find uh, the show podcast at stackoverflow.com. And if you enjoy it, go ahead, leaving a rating and a review really helps. I'm Cassidy Williams, Director of Developer Experience at Netlify. You can find me at Cassidoo, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. Or you could Google Cassidy Williams, and you will find me in a Scooby-Doo character, and I am not the Scooby-Doo character. Complicated. I'm Paul Ford. <laughs> it has been, <laughs> I'm Paul Ford. It has been a tremendous uh, honor to be involved with the show. And Ben, I want to just shout you out for a minute, because here's how this started. Hi, I'm Ben. I have this job at Stack Overflow. I have to figure out what I'm doing. Do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, okay. <laughs> I think Sarah Chip. I think Sarah yeah. Chip will do it too. Okay. It was. You did not have much infrastructure to work from. You did not have a platform to build on top of. And when I look around at, at what Stack has done in terms of its outward messaging, there's a blog. There's a team. There's support. There's a, a good podcast that now is about to have a great new co-host. And so let me just close out my farewell here by saying that you built that and you should be really proud. There was no infrastructure and thank now you, there Paul. is and you did great. So thank you. I want to say thank you to you. You came, we met in the kitchen stack overflow and you're like, so you want to do an episode? And I was like, no, actually, I think you should be a co-host. And you're like, okay. <laughs> just like, did, you know, it didn't really, but you're just like, yeah, I can I'm going to tell everyone. Sometimes, like, yeah, you just, <laughs> sometimes you just say yes. And then I was like, yeah. actually, I have to go talk to everybody I work with. I can't just make that. I'm, I'm not entirely <laughs> my own person. Yeah. Yeah. You gave a very quick and calm yes. But then, yeah, you had to go check it out. But yeah, it's been a great two-year run. We've really built it up. I'm glad to have brought it back. And I hope the show, you know, like, yeah, I hope it has many iterations. You know, I mean, I hope Stack, Stack Overflow, I think, is going to be here for the long haul. So it can have many. Phases. I have felt very lucky to be involved. If you want to reach out to me in any way, F-Train on Twitter, you can email me, paul.forward at postlight.com. You can check out my company, Postlight. All good. But thank you, everyone, for listening. And I'll be back in um, a period of weeks or not too long. Yeah. Just whenever. And don't worry, I've got lots of Paul episodes in the bank. I'll sprinkle them. All I'll, right. I'll space good, them out. Good. Great. So, Perfect. Yeah. Good. Well, Cassidy, good luck. Thank you. I need it. Yeah, no, no. Heavy, <laughs> heavy, heavy is the responsibility that falls heavy. upon you right now. Um, great yeah, job, exactly. everybody. And I'll, uh, I'll talk to everybody soon. Bye. 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 Bye.